So in 1744, a guy named Charles, a lot of you have, that's John Wesley's brother, right? But Charles was the hymn writer. He wrote thousands and thousands of that, even though the words were Christian, we think, you know, nowadays people use a second nose. But, uh, you know, we just take what's familiar and, and, and send people in a second story room, and they were all having a prayer meeting, and they were, and the floor, rushing to the floor, 100 people crammed in that room, all fell to the floor. They were bleeding, broken bones, all over the place. You can imagine the confusion. It was, it was a horrible sight. But in the midst of that, Charles, who, of course, all injured, he cries out and he says, praise God, we are all okay. Well, they didn't look okay. And then he begins to sing. And even though he's bleeding and wounded, he says, praise God from all blessings flow, right? The doxology. Who does that? In the midst of all that mess and blood, he's singing to the Lord. And he says, praise God from whom all. Doesn't look like a blessing, but he sings and everyone joins in. Nobody even called 911. 1744, a different kind of mindset to sing, when, to be happy and joyful and thanking God when it seems like there's nothing to thank him for, when it seems like things are going the wrong way and it seems like things are not well and it's not and I'm not receiving blessing, but it takes a different kind of mindset. And I wonder how many of us have that kind of mindset that when things are not going well, you give him a praise instead of a curse. You know, I've used this illustration so many times. You know, when you, when you hit your thumb with the hammer, then we know what's in you. Come on, church. What comes out of your mouth when you hit... I mean, how many of you hit your thumb and you go, praise God, instead of the other thing? And I can't tell you the other thing because it wouldn't be appropriate in the pulpit. I don't know what comes out of your mouth. But there's, there ought to be something in us that's very different from people in the world. Charles Wesley was an unstoppable worshiper. And I, I'm believing God's doing a new thing in our church. And, and he's developing and calling us <coughs> to be unstoppable worshipers. Ah, praise God. I, I think we're kind of in, even in our nation, we're kind of in between right now, right? We're, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen. And, and someone said it's like this. We're actually in the eye of the hurricane. And the other half of the hurricane's about to hit. How many feel like that's coming? Nothing's over. It's coming again. I, I, I don't know what it'll be, but I think the other side of the hurricane is coming. But listen, in the midst of the storm, I have a word for you. God is birthing something new. 
He is doing a new thing. The church is changing. And the more persecution we come under, I believe the louder our praise. The more we're attacked, the more we're going to step up. Amen. The more weird it is to praise God, amen, the more unstoppable praises are going to come out of our mouth. We're going to blow their minds. The devil's going to send thunder and lightning, and we're just going to smile and grin and say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah anyway. Praise him. Praise God. Hallelujah. We praise him from whom all blessings flow. Give him a shout and a praise. Isaiah talks about it. You know, Isaiah 43. And you know these verses, but let's go verse 1 and 2. We don't talk about that too often. He says, but now, says the Lord, who created you? I made you, he says. Yeah, I made you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Listen, if he made you and redeemed you, what do you give him a praise for that? Amen. He said, I have called you by your name. He named you. You are, you are mine. When you pass through the water, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Jump over to verse 16. The Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. What do you think he's talking about? Israel coming through the Red Sea, right? Who brings forth the chariot and the horse? Hello, Pharaoh. The army and the power. They shall lie down together. They rise. Come on, there's a word to the enemy. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Uh Behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a rose. In the desert, he told them, go back in your memory to when I parted the Red Sea and delivered the children of Israel. Then he says, now look, don't remember the things of old. (laughs) I do a new thing. So what is he saying? What is he saying is a new thing doesn't necessarily mean a thing that he has never done before. He He just says, I'm changing the current order. So he says, I parted the sea once, I can do it again. A new thing does not necessarily mean something I never did before. So there's nothing wrong with remembering how God did things. And how, Listen, sometimes what gets me through is remembering how he brought me through before. If he brought me through last year, I believe he'll bring me through this year. I, what I'm going through now, I've never gone through before, but I've been there before. I've been through stuff that I've never been for, been through before. Are you following all of what I'm saying here? Well, I've been through new things. I've been through trials that I've never been before, but he's never left me. He's never forsook me. I got through the flood. I got through the fire. I made it. Come on, I've been at this thing for a long time. I, I've been, yeah, I look at, say, preacher, you look at, 
I don't know if I age well or not, but listen, I've, I've, I've been, I've been, how many years? I, I've been saved like 46 years. It's been a long time. Maybe 1973, you do the math. I've been through some stuff, but I'm still standing, and I still got to praise. Come on, church, hallelujah. He's repeated some things, but he always does exactly what I need when I need it. Y'all aren't praying for me. How many know he'll do it again? He'll do it again. He's birthing something new. So I came across this illustration room. And they put a banana on a table. And every time one of the apes would go, they would get a fire hose out with cold water. So one would go up and get sprayed. Another one would try and get sprayed. They wouldn't let them have the banana. They kept spraying all five until they learned their lesson. So they took one of the apes out and brought an, a new ape. And he, of course, he went for the banana. And the other four stopped him because they knew what was coming. So he learned, okay, I'm not going to do that. And they kept replacing the five apes until they had five completely new apes. And none of them would go for the banana, even though they didn't know that they were going to get sprayed. And I'm sure one ape looked at the other and said, and, and why aren't we getting the banana? I said, I don't know, but they told us not to. So the, I guess the lesson of the story is sometimes we're doing things, we don't even know why we're doing them. It's just that grandma did it. This is how grandma worshiped, so that's how I worship. Grandma said, you don't raise your hands in church, so I don't raise my. You know, grandma could have been wrong, or things could have changed, or God might be doing a new thing. But we humans are just comfortable just always doing what we've always done. And what is those words that have killed more churches than any other words? We've never done it that way before. We just don't do it that way. A pastor, we're going to the new church, and we're going to do this? Said, no, we're not going to do that. Why not? God's wanting to do a new thing. But a lot of us are comfortable with the old thing. And it, it's rotten, but I brought a banana today. <laughs> I believe if, you know, we're introducing, we're trying to bring to you a new thing, but how many of you are willing to get out of your comfort zone and do a new thing and stop saying, but that's the way we've always How many of you are with? I mean, some of us won't even change where in the sanctuary. I remember in the old sanctuary, we were so, oh, man, and it was packed back there, and we, everyone had their place. And one day I, 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 I said, look, you were absolutely forbidden from sitting where you always sit. Next Sunday, you have to sit somewhere else. I, I made it a rule. So that next Sunday, everybody moved. Everyone sat somewhere else. And you know what? It really messed me up. <laughs> I'm just kind of used to people <laughs> And in trying to change them, I realized I was stuck. We're just comfortable doing things the same way. It just makes life easier. But God's wanting to do a new thing. Amen. He said, I'm going to do it. Are you willing to receive it? Are you willing to change? How many of us have things that 
just never change. This is the way I do it. I got my routine. I got my way of doing things, and I don't want to change. But here's what you got to understand. If we're going to see a change in our spiritual walk, it's going to start with worship. The way you worship makes the difference because worship is where there's relationship. Worship, you can't have relationship without worship. You, you, you can't know people and interact with people unless you engage them. And once you engage them, you understand who they are, and you change a little, and they change a little, and we all get along. Amen. But if we don't engage God, then there's no change. People who don't spend time with him do not change. I can preach till I'm blue in the face, but if you just refuse uh, to, to make any changes and you say, this is the way I am, you know, or, or that old thing, I'm just not emotional. I didn't ask you to be emo emotional. I asked you to engage the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, you watch these same people that won't be emotional in church, and you watch them watch Ohio State play football. And you say, like, who is this person? Or something happens in their family and their first grandchild. Oh, I thought you weren't emotional. We were made emotional. Some people learn how to hide those things, but you were made to shed a tear. You were made to crack a smile. You were made to rejoice in the Lord. I mean, you may not get crazy like some of us, but listen, nothing's going to change in your life unless you engage the king. No worship, no relationship, no change. So what does your worship look like? Is it like Moses or, or Miriam? Is it like David or, or Deborah? Amen. Can, can you work like Martha and worship like Mary? About this one. Can you worship in Gethsemane? What's your worship look like? One man said this. He says, I'll admit I'm called. You know, I'll be a Christian as long as I can become. And if I'm not comfortable, I'm going to complain. I, I, I kind of loved it when we had church out in the parking lot. We got no complaints about temperature. Nobody said the worship was too loud. It was amazing. Being comfortable. In fact, I said, if you're totally comfortable, hello. I, that's just been my experience. Can anyone else amen me? Can anyone else say, yeah, that's my, that's my experience too. Been saved for 48 years or whatever it is, but I, I've just not been comfortable. I've been happy that whole time, but I've not been comfortable. I've been satisfied that whole time, but I've not, I can't say I've been comfortable. I can't say that I was just at ease floating along the lazy river. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a raging river all these years, glory to God, but it's been a good walk, amen. I have no regrets. I'm happy to serve the Lord. It hadn't been easy. It's not been comfortable, but it's been a wild ride, and it's been good. Hallelujah. It was, oh, I was glad when they said we can go to the house of the Lord. Give him a praise. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. He said, well, I, I just don't feel I'm called. Oh, you're called. You're just not. You're called. Everybody has a calling. 
He said, well, I'm just not important and I don't have any special gifts. And, but look at the people that, that God called. He called, he, he called farmers. He, he called shepherds. He said, well, shepherds were cool. No, shepherds, shepherds were minimum wage people. They were down at the bottom. That's where David was. You know what? He called tax collectors. Ew. Tax collectors. What were you thinking? I mean, they wouldn't even eat with tax collectors. How about this one? He called women. Don't get. Don't let me start it on that. Don't let me. Get, don't let me. He called. He called people who could. He called doubters. Tom. He called people that wouldn't always obey him. He called everyone. Are we willing to step up? For First Corinthians one twenty six talks about this, where Paul kind of is. is he calls the unqualified so that they can't boast in themselves, so that it's all about him. It's all about him. So here, here's my word. The less qualified you think you are, probably you got the greatest calling. And when you start doing what God's called you to do, don't be surprised when people scratch their head and said, who? How many believe he can do all things through you if you're just willing to do it? Amen. I, I want to see a new thing. But listen, you're never going to see the new thing until you go higher in his presence. you got to go higher. If you want to see, you got to go back before they had the technology they have today. If you wanted to see, you had to climb a tree or go out, climb up a hill, get up higher with your military reconnaissance and be able to see farther out. They wouldn't send the whole army up there, but th those that would go up and they would see. But God, I believe God's calling our whole church to go higher so we can see what God's about to do. How many are with me in this? Amen. Glory to God. Listen, everything Everything changes in his presence. We talked about this last week, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. We talked about the open door, right? After these things, after these things, thing, he said, I what? I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, so you look, you hear, was like, the vo was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place. After. How many want to go higher so you can see more? Come on, praise me if that's you. I want to go higher so I can see more. Yes, 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 yes. Everything. So, so there's a process. You listen, you go up, and then you see. So we we're just in Revelation. Let's go to Genesis. And you remember that Adam worked and worshipped. He worked and worshipped. What was his work? He had to name all the animals. And but he also worshipped. It said he is, is the ruach. It's the same word for the Holy Spirit. So he walked in the spirit, as it were. But he also worked. Right? I mentioned this week. We were over at Applebee's eating out, and, and this guy came up, and he said, you look familiar. And uh, he says, yeah, I used to, you're, you're Pastor Philippi. I said, yeah, I used to go to your church. Come on back. Yeah, I, I, I keep meaning to. It's been like 20 years, but he, he said, but you know, I'm busy. You know, life, just everything. 
You've been gone 20 years and you haven't had a Sunday morning off yet? But listen, how many know we get that all the time? Got to work. But can you imagine, can you imagine Adam in the garden? And he said, now, God, you gave me a lot to do. I, I, I don't have time today. He looked at his Rolex. Um, I don't have time today to walk with you because there's a lot of animals to name and, and there's a lot of a lot of pruning and I got this tree over here I need and I really don't have time to walk with you today. He had a lot of work to do, but he always made time talk. Can you imagine walking with God in the cool of the I know you've got a busy life. He said, I, I know I got to prioritize better. Yeah, we're talking eternity here. Let's go a little higher. Let's spend time worshiping. Come on. So Adam worked and worshiped, but then he sinned, and now he hides and sweats. Everything changed. You know what? I never really thought of this before, but you know what the devil was really after when he tempted Eve? The devil was jealous. The devil was jealous of the prosperity of the garden. Because things were happening in the garden. Things were growing. Things were happening. It was expanding. Animals were being named, and, and, the, and the, thing, the place was really looking good. And he does listen, the devil doesn't like prosperity. He doesn't like it when you're growing. He doesn't like it when things are going right for you. He doesn't like it when you're blessed. He's jealous of that and will do anything and everything he can to get you distracted from your worship. And just get you focused on your work, and he'll lie to you. He'll say, listen, going to church is kind of a waste of time. You can make more money if you go to work. I, I got news for you. You will prosper more if you take the time to worship. It's like the tithe. Amen. You'll, you'll actually have more money if you give God 10%. Well, I lost the amens at that point, but uh, it's true anyway. He, 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 he wanted to stop the prosperity of the he did with Eve. Listen, Adam and Eve, they reasoned their way out. Now, I'm not saying we should be mindless. I'm saying your mind needs to be renewed. But if your mind's not renewed, you can reason yourself out of a blessing. You can reason yourself out of his presence. They reasoned that God, listen, I think this is really the foundation of temptation. What Eve thought was, and by the way, Adam's standing right there too, but what Eve thought was, and what the devil put in her head was, you're missing out on something. I think, I think that's the foundation of sin. You talk to young people sometimes, oh, I've got to sow my wild oats. By the way, what, what is it with wild oats? Can you even harvest them? Do they cook? We, we, we said, well, I, you know, I'm going to do this. Wow. And they began to see things they never saw. Then in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9, I know it's a little weird. Remember last week I said, I have no clue what Monday. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, do you ever play hide and seek with a two-year-old? <laughs> they're, they're standing like six feet. And, and Cain, his problem was, and he brought, he brought an offering from the field things that he grew with his own hands, it makes sense. Yeah, that's what God wants. God's so impressed with what I can do. The sermon. But now I preach it twice, so I get to you. She said, you know why God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice? Because the ground is cursed. And 
he was bringing something that came from a curse and was going to give that to God. And God says, I don't, listen, you can't bring what is cursed. Listen, something has to die for it to be accepted. Sometimes you've got to let go of something in you. Just because you bring him your tithe, I don't know that he always accepts it because you might bring it with the wrong attitude and you might bring it grudgingly. But if you'll bring it, if you'll let something die in you to let go of something to give to God, he accepts that kind of worship. Does that make sense? He wants us to bring something that's, that's died, something we have let go of, and God has it. Amen. And we don't, we don't give it to him with clenched fist. Well, I don't know. Open hand. And we see two lines begin to form. We see Cain's line. And remember, remember where Cain went. Cain, the Bible said Cain went out and built a city. It was kind of interesting that a lot of the sin and the corruption and the violence and the mess and everything that's going on in the country today is in the cities. But he said the other line, when Seth was born, the other line, because Abel's dead, so the other line, God's other line, he said they dwelt in tents. They moved around. There were farmers and shepherds. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a farmer to go to heaven. I'm not saying you can't live in cities, but I'm trying to talk about how God blesses. He didn't bless the cities, but they went out and they farmed. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that, that, tells me that agriculture is blessed of the Lord. And then that guy named Jubal, he begins to make musical instruments. So music is blessed of the Lord. And then he says there were, there were people who went out and, and began to build things, and there were craftsmen. That tells me that manufacturing and industry are blessed of the Lord. And by the way, let me go back to music. It's not just music, but all the arts, all everything that's creative comes from God. Now, the enemy has twisted our agriculture, and the enemy has, you know, by changing its DNA, that bread you eat, I don't know if it's real bread or not. That's real rain. Oh, I can preach forever. I'll preach till the rain stops. You, get, you don't want to go out in that rain anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. So technology is blessed of God until the enemy gets a hold of it. So, so God has blessed these things. But watch this. Here's what someone said when we don't worship. When we don't worship, and I think that's what's happening. As we, when you boot God out, you create a different society. You're following the line of Cain. Foreman, thank you, Jesus. Doing a new thing. We are going to see worship restored in our lives and in the church. And you know how that works? Listen, how does the water evaporates, right, and rises? I said it evaporates and rises, goes into the clouds until the clouds become heavy. And then what happens? It, fall, it descends as rain. 
And, as, and when the rain comes down, it produces harvest. What started all this? Something ascending. Whew, come on, church. Our praise needs to start going up as our worship goes up, as our praise goes up, as we worship him regardless of who we are and what we are and what we're facing. And we'll praise him in the jailhouse. We'll praise him in the den of lions. We'll praise him in the ark. We'll praise him wherever, whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, good times, bad times, hard times, difficult times. There's a praise on my heart. And as we praise him, that worship rise. Amen. Nothing's going to come down until you, until you start sending something up. Some of you aren't getting your prayers answered because you're not sending anything up. You're not spending any time with him. You're not spending enough time in the presence of the Lord. Let your worship rise. Hallelujah. And when the clouds are full, it's coming down. Hallelujah. It's going to come down, and it's going to become a harvest. <laughs> Glory to God. I want you to get this very clear, though. When it comes down, it, its purpose is not just to get you wet. Oh, didn't we have a good service today? Hallelujah. He doesn't bless you just so you can do Holy Ghost helicopters. I can only do that once. Oh, I fell out in the spirit. Great. Listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not real. I'm not saying don't do that. Run, shout, cry, laugh. With, well, however God blesses you is fine. But listen, your blessing is not an end in itself. He didn't bless you just to make you wet. He blessed you so that the seeds that you planted will grow and you'll have a harvest in your life. Amen. God is looking for a harvest, not just to bless you. Oh, praise God. Amen. Listen, the word for ascend in the Hebrew is Allah, and it means arise, climb, come up, get up, grow, leap, light up, be raised, recover, restore. How about revive? It's time to ascend and to go up. Ephesians 2. He made alive <laughs> who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. But God, verse 4, aren't you glad there's a but God? Come on, that, those two words changed everything in your life. How many, how many still remember where you came from? Yeah, you're looking good now, but some of you I knew before you got saved. But God, who is, <clears throat> who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us what? Alive together. Isn't that neat? Together, alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, amen, and what? Raised us 
up together. How many believe we need to do this together? It's not just about you. It's about us. And, 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 and made, he made us sit together. Oh, I love this. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus.